You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by CU. Show your support at Hillsboro and have your photos displayed on the pitch sideboards. Listeners get 25% off on cu-store.myshopify.com if they use the code CUXMAS, S-E-Y-U-X-M-A-S. Patty, I will have you know the agenda is open on my computer for episode 118 of the Owls AmeriCast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and lately I've been taking you on a tour of classic American cocktails on and off through the last few shows as I need very spirit-forward options to discuss this team, but today we're modernizing things a little bit. As Patty helpfully posted on Twitter, mostly Owls Americas and New York Owls Twitter feed, I had $250 worth of booze delivered to my house for the holiday period, but I'm focusing on one spirit in particular tonight, and that is mezcal, and a cocktail from uh, Mayahuel in New York City, a very modern take on the spirit-bitter-sweet combination, as it balances five very assertive types of booze. It is a cocktail involving mezcal, sweet vermouth, it's supposed to be Laird's Bonded Apple Brandy. I don't have Laird's Bonded Apple Brandy. I do enjoy it. It's very difficult to get. I do have their Applejack, which I subbed in, for Net Branca and Maraschino Liqueur. And let me tell you, it sounds like a lot, but it's a lovely expression of modern cocktail culture. To talk about a less than lovely expression, but a successful one, of old school football culture, first off, in New England, it's Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Jeff. Good to see you. Uh, drinking, uh, gone back to old fallback night ship brewery from Everett, Massachusetts. Drinking their Bennington oatmeal stout. It's got mm. some maple syrup uh, flavoring in it. And it's because of that, it's named after the town of Bennington, Vermont, which is known for its maple syrup production. So the classic New England debate, who you got, night shift or treehouse? <laughs> Uh, night shift. I, I, I understand agree. Treehouse. Uh, oh, good. I'm glad to yeah, hear it. I agree. Treehouse seems to Treehouse seems to really capture everybody's imagination. But I, I think in terms of just uh, the breadth of their uh, styles and uh, a few real classics for me that are constant go tos, I'll, I'll take night shift every time. Also, to be honest, we're old enough that we're very lazy, and if I can just get them in my local package store. <laughs> it does make a lot of I'm not driving anywhere for your beer. I should be able to get it within 15 minutes of my house. That is true. And you know what? It's not within 15 minutes of my house. No, mine not. Like if I'm on my way, I'll, on my way to Boston, usually. Uh, I'll certainly stop by if it's in the window where they actually allow you to come and pick up cans in the afternoon <laughs> and see what I can get. Sure. It's not bad. I like Treehouse a lot, but it's a lot of work. Also on the show this week, out in Portland, it's our Cascadia Owl, Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. First of all, I'll say Merry Christmas and a belated Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate that, but happy, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, I am enjoying a Powers Malbec, which is from the Columbia Valley up in uh, Kennewick, Washington. Um, a good, solid... Pacific Northwest Malbec. I've uh, been around for a few years and uh, been enjoying it lately. 
Also on the line to complete a foursome of American Owls this week. The only man that could possibly give us insight into Tony Pulis's tactics. It's Coach Tommy, Tommy Byrne in South Carolina. <laughs> Tommy, what are you drinking? Um, right now, I'm just having a uh, I'm just having a cold snap from uh, Sam Adams. I'm 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 just going I'm going macro brewery today. So I I wouldn't say Sam Adams is a macro per se. It does get into sort of well, the, the weeds of brewery culture, I suppose. Well, it's it was one of the first micros that went mm-hmm. big. <laughs> it's but Cold Snap is my favorite of the uh, of the Sam Adams. So I picked up a 12 pack on the way home today. I do love that Sam Adams and probably because of their size is not hewn to the idea of like their seasonal beers because like the cold snaps their spring and it's literally fucking December. <laughs> well, well, it's uh, like October, yeah, they got the winter lager. August. Yeah. And winter lager. Yes. You can still get that. Yeah, they, I'm sure. But they, they call the cold snap. That's their white ale. And it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty much the same time that a lot of, uh, a lot of, spiced ales come out mm-hmm. so i think it's kind of their answer to that sometimes you do want a little spice you will not find it in wednesday's recent performances but a win is a win so we will talk about the Coventry game uh four of us on the show can afford a variety of well, 200 literally 20 dollars of liquor which might be more than you can save for the wednesday squad at this point given their unpaid wages <laughs> we'll cover that in some other wednesday news and also preview the blackburn and Middlesbrough games over the festive holiday season. But we will start with the commentary review. And even though it's a win, as I've said before, there's not enough here to cover 90 seconds worth of game recaps. But hey, Wednesday won. And Justin, the tactics were good and possibly bad. Well, uh, as we were briefly discussing before, uh, Pulis came out using a 3-5-2, which is uh, what the players on this team were brought in to do under Gary Monk. Uh, so even though Tony kicked and fought and screamed against it, he finally put in the back three. Um, and, and I thought that that really helped. Uh, After with, most with of our back center line. backs have been hurt, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, that's true. And it wasn't necessarily the three center backs we would have wanted. Um, but the, the center backs were in there, looked good. And I thought having... Uh, Pelopesi and Shaw playing a little bit deeper than Bannon worked out really well, um, although it was pretty fluid. And this is sort of the point that I'll start off. I've been, you know, pretty harsh on Pulis and, you know, will continue to be. But um, there's a really interesting little thing that I noted early on in the Coventry preview when we looked at it. Mark Robbins really liked to play uh, with three up front in a two number tens with a number nine up front. That's the preferred uh, structure because of injuries, he actually played two up front with a number ten sitting behind them, and Pulis uh, had Pelopesi manmark their number ten for most of the game. Um, O'Hare it was, and he really shut him down every time he looked up at Pelopesi. He was denying the ball, denying the ball, or right on him when he got him. And I thought that was a really big tactical maneuver by Pulis. I don't know if he knew going into the game that uh, two. Um, but at whatever point Pulis made that decision, I think that real creativity and he didn't see much till uh, a second half sub caused Robbins to move some players around. But I was impressed that Pulis picked that up very quickly and was able to shut them down with something, you know, a little different than his usual, just 10 men behind the ball. 
I was going to make fun of the idea that when they shut down Coventry's explosive offense, but I then did look that they have actually scored nine more goals in uh, across 20 games than we have. It's 20 goals in 20 games, which is not particularly impressive, but fair play. Everybody scores more than us. It's true. Everybody. Literally. Everybody has more shots on goal than us. Also That's, true. Yes. Yes. So, but I, I think Mike, that leads well into Mike's uh, point too about the, the back end, which, which I thought did a really nice job. Yeah, I think uh, Tom Lee's naturally gets the goal. So uh, literally got the goal. But so he gets a lot of the attention for that. But, you know, he had some of those um, stops and interceptions and, and whatnot in the last 10 minutes that we've been looking for all year, or I guess for the last two or three years now for, for us Wednesday fans. And he really did have um, – he, he had an amazing game. And I think he and Dunkley really were impressive. Uh, big picture to me is um, you know, we also welcome Westwood back. Uh, and that brings up my, my point is what does – Westwood's presence as a defensive captain really do his presence on the pitch. Um, what does it say about him? It's, it's, it's so curious that we have these three keepers and through the rotation of managers, they've definitely all had their favorites for different reasons. And um, Westwood really does seem to, to fit the role here of uh, being an on, on the field captain. So I think it's, it's, it's difficult for me to parse at this point. Uh, I think it's fair to say Westwood is still a very, very good shot stopper at this level. His distribution still kind of sucks, but you know that's part of the game. I don't know. He seems to put himself, and again, it's again, it's difficult to tell, sort of in the flow of the game, what the quality of chances are at any given time. And you'll go back and look at the XG if you really want to, but. The one thing Westwood seems to do is like always put himself in the right position. Like Coventry's best chance, to be fair, was a completely unmarked header that right. any goalkeeper yep. would have no chance at. And Wednesday managed to clear it off the line, which is good defending. But you know, I wouldn't hold. I would not have held that against Westwood if it went in. But his positional awareness, and this kind of ties in with Lee's as well. And I think Dunkley, the one thing you say about Shay Dunkley for a, a guy coming off a double leg break is that maybe he's not the paciest defender in the world. This applies to Tom Lees as well. I don't know how fast he was before he broke both his legs, but. Yeah, but that was not what he was known for. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But his positional awareness is very good. And I think the fact that you can play them in a back three with maybe potentially a, a pacier third wheel helps. I think the fact that you have Liam Shaw and, and or Joey Pelopesi and or Massimo Luongo covering them helps as well. Uh, the way the, they all those parts sort of move together have been relatively successful. Again, I don't... There's been some bad defensive performances in here, but it's, it's difficult. You know, we've had players sent off and it's still early enough. I mean, this is Tony Pulis's first win, so not exactly the new manager bounce that you want. And it was Coventry. And it was Coventry. But like, look, <laughs> the fact they have to beat these teams. They have to beat Coventry. Right. You know, they have to beat. And yeah. They have didn't it. we they, say it was? Didn't we say? Oh yeah, it was just Wickham. Wickham, Rotherham. Yeah, I mean, and uh, how many? How many? How many shit teams have we lost to? 
I mean, Darby is an ESPN Plus game now because uh, welcome to the relegation and, scrap. And your point on what on, on Westwood, I think, is because he – I think he's older, he's more mature. He also knows how to general that defense better. He is a he's a he's a regular field general, uh, in in a way that other managers might not have taken to him because he might not be that general in practice or in or you know in in the locker room. But when he's on the field, he's he's putting people in the right spot as well as himself, just so you know he's going to get fewer clean shots on goal. You know what I mean? So this is the, this is the trade-off too. Like he is very much a Tony Pulis keeper for good and for ill. If you want Karen Westwood to play the ball out of the back or be like a sweeper keeper, that's just not a club that he has in his bag. And that's fine. But I think he does fit with the way they want to play. You know, when Josh Lukai wanted to play a very sort of continental style at three quarters speed is what it ended up being you know you like cameron dawson with the ball at his feet that's different you like you don't want kieran westwood with the ball at his feet like kieran westwood is a very like i won't even say like 90s but like early late 2000s early 2010s championship keeper and wednesday had very good you know keepers in that generally you know chris kirkland certainly was was of that type uh as one example. And he's very good playing within a, this sort of like conservative style. I and mean, he'll just hoof it deep if it ends up in his hands. He's positionally aware. He's much better coming out on crosses and set pieces than I think Wild Smith and, and Dawson are. So I think he's the best option for the way that Wednesday want to play right now. I, I don't disagree with that, and, and I do think that he is noticeably more confident in making decisions, and that's the veteran thing, and he's obviously the field general. But I, I've been really fucking bored and tired of the pro-Westwood screaming crowd for the last three years, and the fact is that was Kieran West- – Kieran Westwood was fabulous. That was in my notes. He was great th- this week. That was his best game in two fucking years. He's either been hurt or ineffective when playing for us for the last two years. This isn't 2015 saving us against Hull, Kieran Westwood, right? This isn't even 2018 uh, before getting hurt, uh, you know, making saves all over the place, Kieran Westwood. He has been remarkably mediocre and frankly, a pain in the ass in the clubhouse from most accounts for the last few years. I would love to have back Kieran Westwood, even at 85% of what he was when he was the best goaltender, not in the Premier League. I will England. say, I will say to that point, it's amazing that his like hair is exactly the same as that era. It has not moved in five years. <laughs> no. no. Hey, he looks, uh, he looks good. He looks good. I've never taken that away. From hey, him. nobody ever minds Kieran Westwood being on the TV. You know what I mean? He's a smoke show. <laughs> Well, it's the tattoos too, so come on. But yeah, no, I, I would love to have that uh Westwood going forward. I'm just uh I'm not I'm not totally sold yet. Um but I, I will uh if I can 
bring up sort of my second point on this game, which which uh, ties into what we were talking about with the idea that this is Coventry. I'm I'm of two minds. I was super excited that they won. One because fuck they needed it, but two they've really been working hard. Like I. You can fault the team for a lot of things and you can fault the manager for a lot of things, but I, I think everybody's trying. And, and that was the just, Tony Pulis quote last week where it was like, everyone's working really hard, but they're not good enough, basically. Yeah, and right. well, I, think, I think that's what we were dealing with. But here's my issue is that we scrapped and clawed and fought and worked our sacks off and dug in and we just defeated a team up from league one who had both of their best two players out on injury. So, well, we needed those three points and it was desperate times and we'll take it going forward. I am super curious to see, was that a, you know, was that a one-off? Did we knock off a shitty opponent in a scrappy, unenjoyable affair? Or is that, did we turn a corner? I, I'm yeah, that, really that curious was, to see what we think. That was one nil off of a set piece. So you saying knockoff is a, <laughs> is working pretty hard there. So, but I mean, well, no, this has been a trend for the last three years. As we've said, our, our best performance this year was that loss against West Brom, hmm. or our best performance this year was the first half against that loss to Norwich. Um, I mean, this is this is unfortunately this is who we are. So I have never. This season, I have not looked at the schedule and looked at the table and gone, oh, we should win this game. Um, and that, that goes both ways. That's whether we're playing Rotherham or whether we're playing, well, these teams are down there, Forest, or whether, we're playing, or whether we're playing someone who's, you know, vying for a playoff spot. We seemed, it's, seemed it's, it's a coin flip going into this, and I think it's even more so with, with Pulis now. He's going to be playing for clean sheets every week. Um, well, so Blackburn's yeah. a test, right? I mean, there's always, there's all, everything's a test. You're in a relegation scrap. You got to try to grind out whatever you can, but they're going on the road to Blackburn on Boxing Day and, you know, a team that can score goals, a team that can ship goals. And we'll get to the Blackburn preview. But you want to see something come out of this right you want to see that this is not just uh, an aberration in the in the championship with two bottom of the table sides scrapping it out and it's fine margins one good cross from bannon that found it the head of lees and a decent defensive performance at home and you go from there but you know does this actually lead to something is there is there energy is there an extra extra pep in your step I don't know. Well, I'm not convinced. Okay. Mike, what do you think about that? Because I'm with Jeff. I'm not – I'm still kind of sitting at the point of like, great, we scrapped to beat a shitty League One team. What What's coming at us now? Well, so the one other point where I'm going to defend Tony Pulis here is he had – and he has brought this up too. This is his first week where he's actually had, you know, a Wednesday or a Tuesday to actually manage a team – you know, on the training pitch. But, but, but I mean, um, yeah, everybody's going through this, though, is the yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Not like, and I don't think I our, the squad is particularly shallow as it might have been in years past, either. It's this less squad, shallow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, well, again, we, we have this issue with uh, injuries and red cards that makes us a lot more shallow than we, than we need to be. So I do think that 
if given what he's got, I think that this team is possibly heading in the right direction. Unfortunately for us, the right direction this year is let's, you know, praying for like 17th. Um, 17th you're a you, happy clapper i well yeah. I, if they can get draws and have the remaining games we'll see where they are uh, well, i mean i, 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 ju- I, I don't yeah, care yeah i'll take 19th it's, <laughs> I, I will yeah. just say by the way that being able to beat shit teams in league one might be useful practice for 2021 2022 oh. <laughs> Well, that'll, that'll do a segue into our topic on the finances in a bit, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good. Let's take a break. and we come back, we will uh, do some Wednesday news, which includes the finances, and preview the upcoming Christmas fixtures. Now it's time for some Wednesday news and the biggest news of the week, which Justin and I alluded to last week, but has come more into focus is that Wednesday players were not paid in full for November and have reached out to the PFA to reach out to the club to be like, Hey man, what's going on? Where's our money? Where's the money Lebowski? Uh, So this happened over the summer and I get that it's a global pandemic and teams below the Premier League are struggling with their financials when not having fans in the stands and whatnot. And I don't really want to get into sort of a conversation about, oh, well, are they not playing as hard as they might otherwise because they're not getting paid? Because I don't think that's likely to be the case. But I think there is a conversation we had more widely about sort of what are the club's responsibilities in this situation, I guess, other than honoring the contracts you signed with these players, <laughs> Justin. No, I'm sorry. I, I actually don't have anything to add. My hand was raised in a what the fuck gesture because you exactly, that's exactly it. Like you told them you were going to pay them their money. You need to pay them their money. That's, that's it. It's not that complicated. And if you can't pay them your money, uh, the fuck are you doing owning a club? Yeah, that's what it really like. I don't want to get into the debate on whether X player or Y player are overpaid relative to, you know, school teachers or essential workers or whatever. The fact of the matter is that English soccer generates a fuck ton of revenue <laughs> and the people that own those clubs get a very large chunk of that and in good times they're happy to soak up profits and this has come up you know as a baseball writer in, in baseball recently certainly like you know baseball had nine years of record profits before 2020 <laughs> or nine years of record revenues i should say and you take one year where you make less money than you're expecting to make and you want your you know, the profits become a divine right. Like, it's not a divine right to make money owning a football team. God fucking knows it's not a divine right to make money owning Sheffield Wednesday of all football clubs. So, yeah, like, I, I'm i sure this will get worked out as it did this summer. Uh, I don't... This, I, I don't expect that this is a harbinger of doom 
I don't know what it is all in all. Um, obviously, there was, and I'll tie this in, there was a rumor going around on Twitter and other places after the commentary game that Tony Pulis had been told there was no money for transfers in the January window, and he was like quitting in disgust and cleaning out his desk, which proved not to be the case, obviously. But so yeah. for those of us who are so in the states, so where I am, the games end at about nine in the morning, mm-hmm. and so that's perfect time to be. You're, you're awake. You're still may or may not be in your pajamas, and you're 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 cruising through your social media, and you you start reading these things, and I can't. It goes back to this whole thing about whether or not we lost a sponsor due to our crap social media presence of our supporters. And it made me so disappointed to see people forwarding this rumor. And it turns out, I mean, that there was nothing to it. And I can't tell if it was, a t- in hindsight, I honestly don't remember. Did a bunch of people get on it? Or was it really just the same same three or four people who so, are just looking for any reason uh, to trash Wednesday if they can? Alan, um, Alan, Alan Nixon. Biggs? Nixon, yeah, that's right. Alan Nixon had, had randomly tweeted out uh, that there was going to be drama in the championship with a manager. And he was right. That yes, and he was right. Right, <laughs> right. exactly. Well, that, that, he, was, that was the point. And he's, and like he's a usually pundit, Yorkshire. So, yeah, well, he's, yeah. a York, he's a Yorkshire guy. So Watford, I think that's not where, in the north. <laughs> no, and, you know, I mean, I'll say for myself, I certainly didn't run around spreading the rumor uh, or retweeting it, but, you know, I could see that given – the news that you know we were not playing we were not paying our players so there's the uh, idea that this is like on its face credible right and that's a problem that's well, the not, larger issue they're not paying players <laughs> is is a humongous issue right. whether or not whether or not i mean you said it may or may not be a harbinger of doom i'm not going to you know start going into panic mode over this but at the same time this is what happens to those big clubs that end up in League One. You know, this is what happens to clubs like Bolton, where you have somebody come in who's a shitty businessman who buys the fucking stadium. You know, if, if something does go wrong, you know, and again, I, I'm with you. I don't think it does, if only because Dafon Chancery is direct heir to the largest tuna producing uh, company in the world, there is money there, whether or not he can, he can spend it uh, legally on our club. That's a different matter, but you know, I'm, I'm not super worried, but at the same time, it's just, it's, it's not a good look to go along with four years of not good looks. Speaking of not good looks, I do so Justin and I have talked about Joey Palapesi a fair bit on the show recently. Um, and I may have called him the Frank Reichard of practice in recent weeks. So there's an uh, article at the star this week. Could Sheffield Wednesday midfielder Joey Palapesi be in the hunt for a new contract? Uh, and, and as we talked about last week, there were, Rumored extensions for Barry Van and Adam Reach and Tom Lees. We've all the initial talks with Liam Shaw. Pelopesi is on a uh, one-year deal from the previous summer. I just want to read this quote uh, from Tony Pulis and get your unvarnished response. 
What he lacks in ability and everything else, he makes up for with effort and commitment. He's got a heart the size of a lion, and he is a really good kid around the place. All right. That's how I feel as a, podca- a podcaster. <laughs> I, I, I got to jump in on this one. Uh, if uh, Joey Pelopesi gets a new contract, um, it's just time to pull chalks. I mean, let's just fold up the tents, burn down the fucking stadium, uh, sell all the gear, you know, everything. Just sell the fucking – do every, just pull chalks and let's just wipe everything from – that ever was Sheffield Wednesday out of, off the fucking history hmm. books. If he gets a new fucking contract. I would, I would just say, Tommy, um, he might be a useful League One player. I, I'll uh, argue – no, I'll, I'll argue what I've been saying for this whole season that I've been on this podcast. Joey Pelopesi is a limited player who, if deployed properly, is a fine uh, championship so, defensive midfielder. Can we afford him? Can we afford him? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's going to be the issue. I, I don't, uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, because I am, as Justin has suggested, fairly sleep-deprived recently was paying like reasonably close attention to Joey Pelopesi in the Coventry game. Whatever. I had a six month old and over my shoulder or in my arms for most of it. Um, but I did note that he's always kind of around the ball. He's not making challenges, but he's always like in the right position. I guess this is the, the counterpoint to the Tom Lee's discussion previously is like his positional awareness is good, but you still actually have to like do something like put in a block or put in a tackle or, you know, challenge or, or really do anything. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's having a warm body on the pitch is not good enough to be in the championship. So I think I've, I've told this story before, but in the before times when you could go to the football factory and watch a game in a non-ventilated basement, a we were watching a Sheffield Wednesday game and we started a little drinking game because Pelopesi was starting for whatever reason. And every time he touched the ball, you had to take a drink. Every time he passed the ball horizontally or backwards, you had to take two drinks. And by the end of the first half, we were all fucking tanked. Well, and, and we're going to see that now, too, because Tony Pulis does not want his holding midfielders to move the ball forward. Tony Pulis wants his holding midfielders to move the ball sideways. Or backwards so, they, so somebody can well, it. Well, preferably sideways so that they can, right, get it up the field to the width. I mean, I really I, – I'm not a big Pelopesi fan, and I, and I do think he's very limited, but I, I think this is a little too harsh on him. Uh, when when placed in the right role and 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 given that he has he is solid you know he's not going to stand out um, I I definitely don't want I remember I don't know if you guys remember when he first showed up there was some uh, footage of him clocking in a couple thirty yard goals for Heracles or whatever club he was with he tried that a couple times the last few games I don't want him taking shots no, no. Sure. every every player in Europe has their Marco Matias highlight reel so <laughs> yeah it's not a big he's, deal he's not, he's not Ross Wallace by any stretch of the imagination no. thank you thank you no no for sure for sure but I don't and no oh, and and we're not we're not Chelsea we can't afford to have Olivier Giroud sitting on the bench for 68 minutes 
We can't yeah, afford this guy and his paycheck to be deployed correctly when he doesn't make a challenge. Well, but he's but we we fucking hire Tony Pulis. God damn it, we are gonna we're gonna pay Tony Pulis players, <laughs> limited players who stay behind the ball, cover their men, and can hoof it forward. That's that is what we do, and everybody that is pro Tony Pulis needs to recognize that's what we're doing. That's fine if it works, which I'm hopeful, but we'll see. Hey, this is a lot of Joey Pelopesi talk. I'm just throwing that too out much there. Joey Pelopesi talk. So we'll move <laughs> on now to the Blackburn Rovers preview, and Justin discovers Blackburn. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, we probably should have put some effort into discovering the uh, actual town of Blackburn, of which I know virtually nothing. It's in the northwest. It's in Lancashire. Somebody want to correct me on yes. that? Yeah, that's that's about all I know. So. But Blackburn is a really interesting team this year in that they are – so they, as Jeff said uh, before, they score goals for fun and they ship goals for fun. They're second in the league in goals with 34. Um, they have 24 goals against, a pretty solid uh, plus 10 goal difference. Um, they have uh, – Adam Armstrong is their center forward. He's part of a – very effective front three, uh, along with uh, on loan Liverpool stud Harvey Elliott, who's fucking 17, which is pretty impressive. I knew he was young, but Elliott. And they had had uh, Ben Brereton, who is only 21, but looks 35. So that makes for an interesting <laughs> front line. Um, although Brereton <laughs> will be out hurt. Uh, Armstrong has 15 goals this year, easily leading uh, the entire championship uh, in goals. However, Blackburn is in 11th place this year. They have played all 10 teams ahead of them in the standings. They have zero wins. They have three ties and they have seven losses. So Blackburn, while they may be uh, scoring goals for fun, they use a 4-3-3, lots of short passes, like to get the ball out wide to their fullbacks to bomb down the field and cross it in. Uh, They take shots from everywhere. Uh, You know, just really – you know, all over you, hold on to the ball. They do it. They're exactly where they belong. They, they do not have the ability to deal with teams that can slow them down. Um, so, you know, I, by all accounts, we should get hammered this weekend, but uh, I actually kind of think the idea that we put, you know, place of Tony Pulis ball, put, what eight, nine, ten men behind the ball and make them try to come through it, try to hit them on the counter may not be a, you know, may not be a terrible, uh, terrible idea. And, and I will note this, and this may be something that has to do with their inability to defeat teams uh, above them in the standings. They've conceded uh, about 40% of the goals they've conceded this year in the first half hour of the game. So if Blackburn goes behind, they seem to be in a little bit of trouble. Um, if they get ahead early, then they're going to light us up. And that's kind of what I'm seeing for this weekend. Well, no, since we did no research yeah. for this, just looking at notable people on the Blackburn Wikipedia page, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out two names here. Uh, Ian McChain, star of Deadwood and other uh, famous 
American television shows. He's one uh, of my favorite actors. And uh, Sarah Martin was in Bell and Sebastian, one of my favorite bands. So there Excellent. you go. Yep. We will move on from there to the Middlesbrough preview and uh, fucking Colin Wanker. Uh. Can't get away from him on this show. Man, they're in sixth. They Are they? God, they I have, yeah, so I have to do. Uh, I have to do the. I've, I've been told it's not the Middlesbrough podcast or actually on radio there, which I think was just like look way, way north or something, but I'm doing that tomorrow uh, with Middlesbrough Ellen, who obviously did the Middlesbrough preview last season, which was like three months ago or whatever, but. Which just consisted of her giving a shit about Gary Monk. for Yeah, months. that was I'm rough. Sure, I'm, I'm sure I'll get shit about Tony Pulis tomorrow. So I got that to look forward to. <laughs> Well, well honestly, give give it back to her, man. I will. I'll tell you what. Um, uh, I have a uh, we have a championship triangle here in Charleston. Uh, one of my one of my good friends is a is a Norwich fan, and one of my other good friends is a Middlesbrough fan. So what we have is we have a cup that goes between us. Whoever scores the most points among the three of us. You're not and, a great uh, start. Yeah. Well, I hold the cup this year. Mm, that's true. Uh, because Norwich was in the prem, so I, all we had to do was beat Middlesbrough. And I said, "You guys are lucky because you know uh, whoever wins the cup this year, which is probably going to be Norwich." I said, "Jeff, you're going to be able to hold it for two years because uh, you're going to be in the prem. Middlesbrough is going to be in the championship, and we're going to be in League One." <laughs> so I don't know how to, I'm just hoping that we can, you know, at least if I can hold on to the cup, uh, that'll be the little bit of pride that I got left. <laughs> well, Burrow, the, the thing that's a little scary about Burrow is that uh, the, the last no few games, <laughs> well, always, right? Yes. Always scary. Um, no, but it's the fact that they've actually been starting to score a little better. And uh, just just from their last few games, they've started to – put the ball on the back of the net. Uh, what it looks like is that they figured out is getting the ball out wide. And then as they get it up to the 18 yard box, putting it back to the top of the 18 yard box to one of their central midfielders or uh, uh, somebody like Marvin Johnson or, or George Saville are, are playing really well for them. And they are then distributing the ball uh, again. Um, but, you know, I mean, you go ahead and you tell Ellen what a boring fucking team Borough I'm is, sure she's aware. You know? Oh, I—I I mean, they're not as boring as us, and they're definitely not as bad as us. But you know, even just researching them, it's like, ugh, what? Like, there's nothing. There's nothing fun about them. Like, they don't really possess the ball, and they're average at shooting the ball on target. And you know, they score some goals, and they don't really give up a lot of goals. But they're not like super defensively stout it's just it's just ugh, it's just fucking calling man ugh. so i will uh, also note some famous people of note i said note twice i've had a lot of mescal from middlesbrough uh chris camera of course from sky sports and soccer saturday a well-known pundit uh bob mortimer the comedian also from Middlesbrough. There's a lot of people from Middlesbrough. Uh, Paul Rogers from Bad Company, also from Middlesbrough. 
So you're learning all kinds of uh, useful. Yeah, that's probably about it. What's well, weird spot? The w's, so uh, Jonathan Woodgate, who plays for Middlesbrough, is also from Middlesbrough. I don't know why that name. I might have thought that was something else, but no, he. Uh, well, he was their coach before mm. uh, Warnock, so they had gone from Pulis, and then they wanted to bring in Woodgate to try probably to be recognize it. a little more. Well, you also probably remember Ellen losing her fucking mind about yeah. Woodgate being. I had a lot awful. of port on that episode, <laughs> as I recall. Oh, so. that was that episode. Very good. Yeah, you but is there, is there anyone out there who has to like write copy to promote a Neil Warnock, um, Pulis matchup? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, wow! Uh, can you imagine drawing the minute by minute for uh, that. Ugh. Ugh. Like grumpier yeah, just... old men, grumpiest old men, probably actually. So wait, was Brian Clough? Oh, Brian Clough was on the list. I didn't mention him, but yes. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. He was in the notable people from Middlesbrough. But he was born there. Or he pl- yes, he was from Middlesbrough. Okay. Yeah. One last piece of other business. There will be an OA Christmas special, so you're getting back-to-back podcasts. Patty is speaking to author and Wednesday fan Dominic Stevenson about his new book, Get Your Head in the Game, which features interviews with many players about mental health, including Sam Hutchinson, Addie Newhue, and John Harks. So check your podcast apps on Christmas Day for a special episode. But here you've been listening to episode 118 of the Owls America, sponsored by CU. Go to cu-store.myshopify.com and use the code CUXMAS, that's S-E-Y-U-X-M-A-S, to get a 25% discount on sending match day photos to Hillsboro's advertising boards during the next two home games. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Ice Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls and at Mike Laroon. Mike, what are your holiday plans? Oh, we are doing a very discreet Christmas, just the three of us, uh, my wife, my son, and I, uh, enjoying Wednesday on Boxing Day. How else would you be celebrating Christmas? Come on. That quality Blackburn Rovers match. Justin's on Twitter, at New England Owls. Justin, what are your holiday plans? Well, we usually uh, travel to my wife's family in New York, and obviously that's not happening this year. Uh, So much like Mike will be... uh, Hold up at home, uh, my wife, my son, my daughter, and I, and uh, watching Boxing Day. And, and just to be super positive about it, I, I recall being at my sister-in-law's house last year and enjoying 89 minutes of the Boxing Day match before it all fell apart. And then the rest of the season went to complete shit. So perhaps, I don't perhaps this, the, this is the like... year that perhaps this is the year that we watch 89 minutes of terrible football get a miraculous comeback and uh 2021 is the year of the owl Mm. tommy's on twitter at coach tom wed tommy how would you be spending this lovely festive still continuously compressed wednesday fixture period well um for the most part uh uh, the holiday we're going to be uh having the 
having the kids come over and I say kids, one of them is about to have a kid. Um, so yeah, we're luck with that. grandparents. Thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, they're going to come over and, uh, you know, going to have a very small holiday thing, maybe have a fire pit outside. Um, but on the 26th, I will be plunking my skinny Southern behind down in front of the television so I can yeah. feel the pain that we do every week <laughs> and just and just cheer on the boys because, you know, it's, it's what we do. We're gluttons for punishment. And one thing I do got to say is uh, my my future son-in-law um, got me this here. If you can't read it, it's a it's a onesie that says me and my granddad love Sheffield Wednesday. So I got to ask you because I have a fair amount of like Sheffield Wednesday baby merchandise now. What's the, what's the sizing on that? Because I got like three to six months and it's like wildly uh, large for my six month year old child. Yeah, this one is a zero to three months because yeah, uh, uh, he, like he, he got really hammered and promised that they would take her home from the hospital in that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not holding them to it. But you were not, you <laughs> definitely weren't involved with him getting really hammered, I assume. So, Jeff, are, these, are these more, more, more issues with the Elevate sizing charts? It's, I, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I haven't even looked at the logo on them. It's, uh, <sighs> I can just talk to, talk to Ati Knew You about that. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternastro. Uh, and we'll see you in 2021 when I'm guessing Wednesday will still be in the drop zone. 